Hi, everyone. Today's scripture is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Good morning. Thank you, James. I can be a little talker sometimes. I get that. So I appreciate you, James, for keeping me loud. Let me just get set up here. My name is Marcus, and I'm one of the pastors here at Redemption. Oh, as I would say back home, Marcus. My name is Marcus. If you really want to get my attention, you call me Jungle Boy. That's the name folks gave me back home because I was always in the woods. Spent a lot of time in the woods. Um, this morning, we're, we're, we're obviously, we've ended the, the series on 1 John, and we're taking, another, uh, we're taking a little bit of time to address something at a church that I think might be profitable for all of us. Uh, we're spending some time talking about how to read the Bible. Um, as Ellie read, all scripture is breathed by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. This morning, I want to spend some time talking about the Bible. So if you need a Bible to follow along this morning, would you just slip up your hand? The ushers will come down and bring a Bible for you. We have some in English and in Spanish, if that's your heart language. We would love for you to follow along. There's one verse this morning. Um, if you don't have one, that is yours to keep our gift to you. Thank you. This, this morning might feel like a reminder or more like, I think, as I was preparing, I thought, this is going to feel more like teaching rather than preaching. Uh, it feels to me like you might need this today. I know I was reminded this week as how important the Bible is to the life of a Christian. Like I said, I'll be coming from 2 Timothy chapter 3, and this is one verse, right? I hope this brings you some encouragement this morning um, and some correction. I have titled this sermon, It's Time to Study. It's time to study. Let us pray. Gracious God, I thank you for the voice that you've given me. I thank you for the space. And I thank you for the honor and the privilege it is to share what the Bible has to say. Lord, I want to pray that if there is one person in here this morning who needs to hear just a few words to guide their lives in their day, would you make that clear? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time that we get to spend together as a congregation learning from the Word. No one here came to learn from me. They came to hear from you. So, Lord, we thank you. Lord, if I have asked too little, would you make it abundant? In Jesus' name, amen. 
Before I forget, I want to start my clock because, uh, you know, sometimes these chocolate preachers be doing some stuff. Let me get my timer going. As the story has been told many times, uh, and it was a small town, Mount Vernon, Texas, in this very small town in Texas, there was a, a, a bar owner who wanted to open another tavern in this town. He knew that, he knew that people liked to drink, so he decided, he said, I'm going I'm to build a new tavern in this town. And as he was building the tavern, what, what the community came to realize that he was building the tavern in the vicinity of a church. When the church found out that the bar owner was building a bar next to their church, they didn't, they didn't want the influence of liquor and the, the traffic that it might bring to their families and in their community, so they did not want that. So they began praying. They began having prayer meetings, asking God to stop the construction, right? A few weeks before the bar was to open, they were almost done with the construction. It was a storm, and lightning struck the bar and burnt it to the ground. The church was excited until a couple weeks later, they got a subpoena in the mail. Turns out Mr. Drummond, the guy who was building the bar, sued the church for their prayers, claiming that their prayers were responsible for the storm that caused the lightning to to burn down his establishment. The church hired an attorney. Mr. Mr. Drummond hired an attorney, and they went to court. And in the opening, kind of the opening statements, the opening remarks, right, Mr. Drummond said, I know that the church's prayer caused the lightning to burn down my establishment. To which the church's attorney replied, the church's prayer had nothing to do with the lightning strike on the bar under construction. The judge, listening to both sides, said this. He said, I don't know how to rule. But one thing is clear, the tavern owner believes in, a, believes in prayer in the Bible more than the church does. <laughs> Some of us have power in our hands. It's called the Bible. We don't realize that God is on our side. Through this life, all the things we go through, some of us carry a Bible around all the time. We have two or three in our homes in our pockets, in our abs, we don't really know what's in there because we haven't spent time studying it. This morning, I want to engage you with three questions. Why we don't study the Bible, why we should study the Bible, and I want to close with some practical application as to how we should study the Bible. In his book, Living by the Book, Howard Hendricks, who's a professor, was a professor at Dallas Seminary, list some reasons why people don't study the Word, right? Why there are some difficult hurdles in the Western world, why people don't study the Word. See if you can identify with some of those, right? I don't know how to, right? People say, man, I, I want to. I buy books. It's frustrating, right? I want to know sometimes when I'm sitting in a Bible study and I hear someone else's thought from the Scriptures, like, how did he get that? How did she get that? When a pastor opens up the Scriptures and he starts preaching, people are like, man, I read that, but I don't know how he got there. Or if you're just a layperson, right? Maybe you know the Ten Commandments, you know the Golden Rule, you know the Lord's Prayer, but you're, you didn't go to seminary. It's like, well, I don't know, right? I'm from around the way, like I said, right? 
I'm just trying to make sense of this. I don't understand. Maybe I'll leave it to the professionals. If, this, if that's you, don't raise your hand. Or some of you say, I mean, I just don't have time, right? You're, you're, you're in a season of life with kids and schedules and practices and older parents, perhaps, or college student activities, right? Night shift, two jobs, master's program, right? All those kinds of things. The Bible falls to like number seven or eight on your to-do lists in the urgency of life. You never get around to it, right? Or some people say, I have my doubts about the Bible. I know there's good stuff in there, but I can't get past the miracles, the supernatural stuff. Can anyone help me? Is this reliable? Can I, is it authoritative? Can I trust my life to this? Some of you say, I can't make it interesting, right? Sometimes it's a snoozer. I open it and boom, it's just a recipe to go to sleep. I'd rather read sports. I'd rather read about money. I'd rather read a novel. I'm not motivated to read, right? And the last thing some people say is that I need something that works. Basically, it's, 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 a, it's a statement of relevance. Is it, is it relevant? Is it relevant to my Monday to Saturday life? Can, it, can, can I make the jump from, from uh, uh, literature that was written years ago to what's happening in the 21st century? I'm here to tell you this morning, you can. You have the time. You have the means to do it. I was in Liberia where I was born uh, in 2010, and I happened to come across a young man named Alvin. Well, he's not young. He was older than I was, but I called him a young man. He was helping me. Uh, he was helping my sister paint the walls and, and do different yard work, uh, do different things in our yard when I, when I got there. And he had, served, he had worked for my sister for years. He was a former rebel who had been shot in the leg, and he walked with a limp. And when I came to visit, I kind of befriended him, and we started talking one thing to the next. Obviously, I brought up the gospel, and he said, man, I want to know God. He said, I, I, I want to love God. Like, I know God exists, and I want to get closer, but I don't, I don't know how to do it. And I said, what do you mean you don't know how to do it, right? So I, I bring my Bible, I open my Bible, and we start reading together. Turns out, Alvin couldn't read. He said, I wish I could read so I can read the Bible. I want to read it, but I can't. We have resources. We have the same amount of time as Alvin, right? Some of us just aren't motivated, I was reading an article this week about the uh, Bono, what, U2. I, I don't know. I'm out of my game right there, right? You know him, right? You know that guy? U2, the band? Or somebody with me, right? Not, maybe not my kind of music prize for me. I need to get into it. He said something interesting in this article. We're talking about his, his life story. He said, um, we in the United States or in the Western world live in a land of plenty. He said there's a scarcity mentality in some places in the world, but in the United States, there's a mentality of plentifulness. We have so much. We have options for everything, food, cars, everything, right? When it comes to the Bible, there's not a lack of Bibles in this country, right? What I'm trying to, what I'm trying to get across to you is that sometimes when you swim in the water so much, you tend to not feel it. When it's available, it's all the time is there, you take it for granted. I'm not trying to get you to feel guilty and compare yourself to someone else from a different part of the world. I'm not trying to get you to get, you to get a perspective. James, how are we doing? Do I need to adjust this in some way? If you give me a handheld mic, it's going to be kryptonite for me because I like to talk with my hands, so just let me keep going. If you feel a need, you can come and change it, okay? Thank you. You have full permission to say, hey, it's not working. I'm going to come up here. Thank you. So why should we read the Bible? Why should we? Right? What you hold in your hands has been described as a weapon. 
The sword of the spirit has been described as, right? It is precise in its diagnosis and it is precise in its cuts in your heart to heal you. It is trustworthy. The historicity of it, don't get that slide just yet. We're not there yet. We're almost there, right? The historicity of it is accurate. Its compilation is incomparable, right? The, the, we have accepted, the world of scholars have accepted that this is true. The authors and compilers were legitimate people. Ryan Reeves and Charles Hill wrote a great little book, How We Got Our, How we Got Our Bible. It's a wonderful book that you can read if you're into understanding how the Bible was put together. People often say to me or ask me the question, wasn't the Bible written by man? I, I get that question so much when I'm sitting in the barber's chair and I tell him I'm a preacher. The question, the answer to that question is yes and no. I will tell you this, there is no way that an uninspired human or humans could have connected a story over a period of 1,500 years the way the Bible does. The book is honest about itself. It has nothing to hide. The people in there are sometimes, like the kids say, are jacked up. They are tore up from the flow up. But within their stories, they never fail. You never fail to find yourself. New Testament theologian. N.T. Wright says this, and what's comforting to me, he says, we have the Bible God intended us to have. I'll say that again. We have in our hands the Bible that God intended us to have. 2 Timothy 3.16, it reads this. It says, all of it is God-breathed. It was written, handwritten by man, but the divine author, the person behind it, was God, and he gave it to man. Man had to write it. The Bible is essential for growth. You cannot grow as a Christian if you aren't studying your Bible. I want to make that clear. You cannot grow as a Christian if you aren't studying your Bible. Just because I'm going to get on somebody's couch right now, just because it's in your car doesn't mean you're reading it. Yeah, here we go. When I was in, I'm just jumping on my own couch. When I was in college, I remember this distinctly. I had a Bible that I read only on Sundays. I'm not ashamed to tell you. I was, it was sitting on my front seat in my little Mazda 626, 89, by the way, 89 Mazda 626, where I had to get in from the passenger side to get in there because the driver's side didn't work. But yeah, my Bible was sitting on my front seat, and I left the window open at one time, and it rained. And I, and, and, and I didn't get in my car all week till Sunday morning when I got back in my car and I looked at my Bible. And you know that sound when you open it, go, when it's raining and it dried up? And I, that was a sound of shame. <laughs> you haven't been reading your Bible. Don't let it sit in your car. It, it's not going to war off people trying to steal your car, which is another reason why I'm going to just throw my Bible in here. When they come in there, when they break in here, they're going to see the Bible and they're not going to walk away. Maybe. Am I the only one who thinks like that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. It is essential for spiritual maturity. Some of y'all in here, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. I know I'm on your couch already. Some of y'all here, your lives are dirty because your Bibles are dusty. You're living dirty lives. You should be at the point where you're eating meat and rice from the Lord, but you're still on milk. You've been a Christian for so long, you call yourself a Christian, but yet you, 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 can't even, you can't even open the Bible, right? 30 minutes on a Sunday, brothers and sisters, 
is not enough. Like if you start a diet plan and you say, oh, I'm just going to eat one meal a week, that's going to do me, that's going to do me. I'm going to eat one salad a week. That's not going to do it, right? If you, if you get in a physical, you say, I'm going to go to the gym one day a week for 30 minutes and I hope to grow. And I hope to, well, maybe not grow. I hope to, mm-hmm. It's not enough, brothers and sisters. It's not enough. Paul lists a couple of things to Tim- Timothy in this, in this verse. He says, it is good for, it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. It is good to study your Bible regularly. The Bible says of itself, the word of God is like a sword. It's like a hammer. It's like a fire. It's like a mirror. It's like a seed. It's like honey. It's like a manual. It's like a flashlight in the darkness. It's like a guide. One book has all of those qualities. It's a loving standard. It's a righteous measurement, right? When you walk away from studying, you walk away from reading it, you're asking the question, how then should I live? It is both challenging and comforting. It shows the despair of the sinful and the hopefulness of the gospel. It gives timeless answers to current and disturbing questions. Some of you are sitting in this room, you heard sermon after sermon, you come to church Your life and sanctification journey has stalled because you aren't in the word and you wonder why you're not growing as a Christian. Yeah, you spend your time scrolling. I'm going to go there this morning. You scrolling. The Bible is written on scrolls, by the way. So if you're going to scroll on something, (laughs) scroll there. For some of you, seasoned saints in here, how many of you guys just pray the scriptures sometimes? When you're praying, you just, the scriptures are in you. You just pray the scriptures. You feel the power of the word of God in you. Sometimes you're going through situations that are so deep, you don't have the word. So you just pray. You pray what you've read. You pray what you've memorized. You pray what's in you. Right? You're going through a problem. You say, Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me, I'm going King James on y'all this morning. He maketh me lie down, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When you've prayed, when you're in situations and you can, you can recount that, when you sin and you need repentance and you open Psalm 51 and says, cast me not away from that presence, O Lord. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and restore right spirit within me. When you've doubted Jesus' love for you, but you've studied the life of Peter. When anything and everything in your life is falling apart and it seems that God has forgotten you, but you remember the story of Job. The Bible changes lives. Put it in you and it'll come out of you. Someone told me this week, garbage in, garbage out. What you put in your body is what's going to come out. You might need to hear that this morning. 
I was handed my first Bible when I was when I was 11 years old in the midst of war. And I did what anybody else would do, any normal human being would do, right? You start from the beginning and you start reading. When I got it, I was like, man, how do I, what do I read? What do I start reading? So I just started from the beginning. Genesis, just started reading, right? And after a while, I got to the place where there was just so many battles, so many kings, so many things I couldn't keep track. I'm like, but where is Jesus? Right? No one told me that he, you know, they said, come to the earth, to the, to the middle part. Right? No one told me. My question to you this morning is, do you know where to start? How do you study? I'm going to spend a lot of my time there this morning. How do you study? How to study the Bible? The Bible is characterized or categorized and divided into different sections in different ways. And it can be understood in many different ways. The two big sections are the New and Old Testament, right? Old Testament is just a word for covenant, right? New and Old. The books of the Bible, that you can divide them into books, you can divide them into sections, you can divide them into themes, you can divide them into time periods, you can divide it into languages, you can divide it into genres, which, by the way, is a word that when people use it with me, I'm like, why are you using that word? It's like an SAT word, genre. <laughs> genre just means the form or the style, the way of writing, right? The type. I'm going to walk through a little bit. Let me slow down here on how to, can we go back to the, that slide? I appreciate you, brother. Bible translations. Some people always ask, man, how, how, what translation should I pick? What version of the Bible should I pick, right? I'll tell you this right now. Do not pick a Bible based on the cover. Oh, it has a leather cover. This one looks nice, so I'm going to take this one. If you already did it, I forgive you. <laughs> Do not pick one because of its cover, right? A good translation or a good version of the Bible, right? Get a couple. Get a couple different translations. Naturally, some are better than others. Um, the Word of God is the same, right? It's, it's just a matter of our preference. The Word of God is the same, right? Here's, here's how it works. The Bible was written, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and Aramaic. The New Testament was written in Greek. So there are translations from those languages into our language, right? From the left-hand side of that, of, of that, of that chart, if you're dealing with, if you want a Bible that is more closely to a word-for-word translation, you want the NASB, right? A New American Standard Bible, all the ESV, what we use here at this church. On the left of that screen, it's more word-for-word translation from the original text. Do you understand? If you want, to, those aren't, when you read them, they aren't readable like today's English. So you, you, you can feel kind of wooden when you read them. As you work your way towards the middle of that chart there where the NIV is and the KNIV, then you get to places where they're translating more thought for thought, in a sense, right? All the way on that continuum, when you get to, to the message and, and the Living Bible and the NLT, you're getting more paraphrases where it's kind of like, it's, it's thought for thought, but almost like it's getting to, you're, you're paraphrasing in a sense. They make it more readable for today's readers. I have a preferred translation. Um, it was one time, I got time to share this story. Um, I went to a church to, 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 to preach at another church, and uh, 
They had sent me the prior week or prior weeks to say, hey, if you're coming, just a heads up, we read it. I'm not going to name the translation. We, 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 we use this translation. And that's not my preferred translation. I was like, I, and I, I, I've studied Greek and I've studied Hebrew. And I'm like, sometimes that translation just doesn't quite get to where it needs to get to. So when I got to the church, I was set and ready to talk some trash about their translation, right? And I, and I met, I met the, the worship pastor at the church. And I said, man... You guys use this translation? He said, yes. And let me bring you over here and show you the, the head editor of that translation. It goes to our church. <laughs> so, good thing I didn't say anything. <laughs> word for word is a preference thing. Thought for thought and paraphrases. Some translations are more literal and some are more colloquial. For if you're going to study, if you want to study deeply, I would suggest picking something in the middle or to the left. If you want to read it and readability, I would pick something on the right. But get a few of them, right? When you read and you see the differences, you're able to look through and get the sense of the word. It doesn't change the word of God. It doesn't change it anyway. It's a preference. The Bible is divided, like I said before, genre, right? Genres, right? There are types of writing. There's history in the Bible. As you can see, I try to make it colorful so you guys enjoy your attention, right? There's poetry. There's prophecy. Some of us read you read through the Bible and you don't realize there are different types of writing, right? Paul's letters, the Gospels, or, uh, uh, biographies, right? Paul's letters to Christian communities in the New Testament. There are letters. There's prophecy in the New Testament. How you read is a mindset. It's very important. Let me share this. Last year, many of you know that I had, I had hip surgery, right? I had my hip replaced. I know, I'm very young, you can say that too, I know, right? I have my hip replaced, and I got a few different medications. And the way I read those medications, it's not the way I would read poetry, right? It's not the way I would read a bedtime story to my kids. It's not the way I would read a history book. These were not suggestions, right? Take two pills every four hours. Doesn't mean I can say, oh, I'm going to ignore that as a suggestion. I'm going to take four pills and skip the next four hours. It doesn't work that way, right? The way you read an instruction manual from Ikea to put together a bed is not the way you read speed limit signs. Some of y'all, speed limit signs, hey, suggestion, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> we are trained, our minds are trained to read different material differently. But somehow when we get to the Bible, we read it all the same. It's like it's completely flat, right? Don't do this. Some of it is prescriptive, and some of it is general truths. Some of it is descriptive. If you confuse a descriptive text with a prescriptive text, you can kind of be a wooden person, right? If you read it in certain ways, it can feel like all rules, this is good, this is bad, all prescriptive. But the stories of the Bible are redemption stories pointing to Jesus, showing you how sinful we are as human and how forgiving and graceful God is. So if you read everything as law and black and white and legalistic, the Bible will just be a book full of rules. If you read everything, on the other hand, as poetry and suggestion and general truths, you will miss the points. 
But if you read, brothers and sisters, if you read the Bible as a living book where most of the people in there are neither examples to follow or people to be shunned, you will see the plan of God, the overarching plan of God that walks through the entire Bible. You will see where liars are redeemed. You will see where sinners are saved. When you go to the people and say, oh, but David did this, does that mean I can do it? No. You'll see that David sinned. Abraham lied. Esther, Ruth, Samson did this or that. How do you do that? How do you interpret that? The Bible gives us a 360-degree view of people's lives, just like all of us. We aren't pictures. We are movies. Our lives are. If you're looking for perfection from some of the characters of the Bible, you won't find it. Because the only perfect person in there is the one that's going to save you. He uses imperfect people to, 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 to show his will. If we had to be perfect, we wouldn't stand a chance. If the folks in the Bible had to be perfect, they wouldn't stand a chance. So where do I start? Where do you start when you start reading the Bible? My suggestion, and this is my suggestion, you start in the Gospels. You start with Jesus. You start with the book of John. I like the book of John because it's pretty simple. I liked it for another reason in seminary. The Greek was easy to translate. <laughs> it's easy to read. It's a biography that is written to show you that Jesus is who he says he is. Start there. I would suggest you read prayerfully, meaning pray as you read, pray before you read, ask God, ask the Holy Spirit to begin to move in, and you'd be surprised what happened. Read patiently. Read purposefully. Read slowly. It is not a race. You're not racing against anybody, right? Every year, sometimes you get a Bible reading plan, and they try to get you through the year, nothing against those plans. But you end up rushing, you end up reading, and you're like, you're not picking it up. You're just trying to get through the, the plan. God has another plan, perhaps. Bible reading plans are great because they keep you on track. But sometimes when, when you miss a day or two, you feel like, oh, I can't go back to the plan. I don't want you to feel that way. It's not a legalistic thing. Spend time with the Lord. If you love God, spend time with him. Because some of it is poetry, because some of it is history, sometimes things are repeated, right? Your enthusiasm can fade. If you start, I'm just going to say this. This is, this is me preaching to myself now, right? If you start in Genesis in the Old Testament, right, in January, by the time you get to Numbers and Deuteronomy, if, you, if you're anyone like me, you run out of steam, right? A lot of Bible plans kind of die right there. You can mix it up. I'm telling you the truth. You know I line. By February and March, you're like, oh, that Bible plan. Man, we in, we in, we in Deuteronomy right now. <laughs> right? But because you don't have the context for Deuteronomy, you lose sight of it. A lot of plans, like I said, can die. Daily plans without context can sometimes make you feel some kind of way. 
you can easily get bored. With our cultural context and language and time, the gap between then and now can be so huge. I'll give you an example. When I talk about context, in the book of Nehemiah, in chapter 1, Nehemiah writes a whole chapter about, about his calling. And then at the very end of the chapter, he writes, and I was the cupbearer to the king. If you don't know what a cupbearer is, you don't know what that statement means. You don't know why the writer wrote that. You don't know why Nehemiah put that in. That's a contextual statement that needs to be understood, right? He is saying that the cupbearer of the king was probably the most trusted person to the king because he tasted everything because people were poisoning kings back then. He tasted everything before he gave it to the king. He's trying to tell you that I was a very important person to the king. Think about it this way. If you were, if, if you, if you were magically transported, right, let's say, to 200 years from now, and you picked up a magazine article, and the first line of that article was, it was the spring of 2020. You get the context right away. You know what that person was going through, right? Any of us would get it. But 200 years from now, somebody would have to do what? Some research to understand why you wrote it was the spring of 2020 and everybody was going, everything was out of control. Maybe not for you, maybe just for me. I want to stress a couple of things here before we move. I know there are some seasoned saints in here who can help us. There are people in here who have read the Bible upside down, who have studied navigators in here, crew folks in here, people who, 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 who have spent a lot of time and find some of these people. So don't hide and start Googling stuff in the Bible because once you start Googling, listen, you know where that's going to end you, right? You're going to, WebMD type stuff start coming up, right? Find somebody, study the Bible within community, right? I was talking to Ryan Malarkey last week and he was saying to me, he said, he said it seems like the generations we've lost the art, kind of the, the, the art of meditation, because we move so fast through life. We're not sitting to meditate on the word. You're used to kind of moving through things pretty quickly. And he said to me, I, 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 had a, I pondered this thing every, he said, we don't store information with ourselves because we have information out everywhere. We can get things as fast as we can. So we treat the Bible that way. Slow down, read it, sit with it. Spend some time with it by yourself. Spend some time with it as a group. I want to point out a few resources. If you still need some help, can you throw that up there for me? Those are two books that have helped me in the past and still help me today, right? Read the Bible book by book. It'll give you a little synopsis of all the books in the Bible, when they were written, who wrote them, what their purposes were, and how to read the Bible all it's worth, right? Two same authors trying to help you to understand how to read your word. You cannot grow as a Christian in Western society if you don't spend time in the Word of God, brothers and sisters. Spend time with yourself with the Word of God. Spend time with other people in the Word of God. It will change your life. The gospel-shaped life, as I close this morning, is centered on quiet desperation for God. The falling in love, right? The humbling yourself before God. The Bible has been described as a love letter. It is also a mirror that shows you your flaws and shows you when you have stuff in your teeth in your life. It is also a history book that you can look 
at and see what God has done in the past. It is a book filled with wisdom. It is a book filled with time-tested truths. It offers encouragement. It calls you out. It reveals your sin and it presents a savior. Slow down. It doesn't just leave you and show you who you could be, but it actually presents a savior to show you how you, how you, how you can live. It has changed lives for hundreds of, hundreds of years, and it can change your life. As a songwriter says, says, some of us have been offered resurrection, but we've settled for the grave. We've been given a chance to walk on water, but we want to play it safe. The Bible is sitting there. You can live a life for God that's extraordinary. Not extraordinary in the sense of going viral, but extraordinary in the sense of God is pleased with you. Put what the world, put what the world has for you aside. Quit trying to impress people. Quit trying to post all this other stuff. And spend some time with the Lord. God has given us all we need in the Bible. We have to move towards it, and it will change your life. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your grace that surpasses all understanding. We thank you for your word that is sufficient to change our lives, to give us hope, to point us to a Savior to show us who you are and show us who we are. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace that you impart on us every day. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.